A very good morning and welcome back to this week's Arcadum podcast. This week we are going to be discussing the North American gambling industry. As always, we have uh, two faithful gentlemen with us. Good morning, Philip. Good morning, Christian. Good morning. Good morning. Morning, morning. So let's just dive straight into the first question, uh, as we always do. So the US has a tradition of land-based casinos. So how does that translate into digital markets? It's a very good question, Matt. It's, uh, we've seen uh, uh, over the, the last few years, we've seen a, a lot of tra- transition from the US um, land-based market onto the online market. Uh, at 2020, the online market was valued about 60 billion US dollars. Um, this is why we see all these acquisitions now um, uh, from big uh, land-based operators such as Caesars Palace acquiring uh, William Hill, for example, uh, for the land-based, uh, sorry, the online version there. Yeah. Um, so this is America's, the Americas has traditionally been very land-based focused. And I think now we're, with everything we've been through the last few years, um, they see the need to regulate the markets as well um, and go in for the online uh, the online perspective as well. So right, right now, the, the regulation of the market is still ongoing. Um, so there's a few markets regulated, or, or sorry, states regulated already in the US. Right, okay. um, so it's going slowly but steadily. So I think in the future, we'll see a lot of more acquisitions like this uh, mm-hmm. and people from the US going more onto the land bay, uh, sorry, the online side of the, um, the casinos instead of the land-based. Just okay. to um, add what Christian is saying there as well. So when you look at it from a player's perspective, they have a massive influence over what's going on as well. Because US players, especially in land-based and even in the UK or anywhere else in land-based setup, they've always been used to like kind of like a lower RTB in the slots. So when you play a game, these you see some of these high rollers that are staking you know, $50, $100 on a game and they get like 20 times the win and they're like, oh, wow, that's a big win. Yeah. In, in the online setup, that is not a big win. If you bet $100 and you get, you know, two grand back, you're like, yeah, that's a nice win, but you, I could be getting 20 grand, which is, you know, 100, you know, upwards of my money. So I think that is becoming a lot more prevalent is why they're starting to look at this online change, because when you see the streamers and the technology we have these days and they're staking at the stake, you're staking in land base and they can win yeah. a lot more than you can. You're thinking, wow, why, why am I not playing online? what's going on so i think you've got to tackle it from that perspective as well it's the players that are also driving it and these high rollers you know they like to go to vegas and you know macau and places like that for the experience you know you get treated like a, a prince near enough or a princess and you get to stay in the suite and it's like that experience so that will never die down i think people will always want an experience but when it comes to more general you know everyday gambling they will want to go to online because they're also more in their favor with slots table games are kind of the same no matter where you are Mm. different slight but it's nothing like slots will um christian can kind of further that because i know he used to be a vip manager in, in the australia right yes i used to work so before i i i um, started my career in the um, i gaming industry i worked at land-based casinos in australia and uh, ran the private gaming rooms um, at one of the biggest casinos in uh, in australia uh, and it's a very different type of, of, of players and mentality in there it's more of a um, community and i think they've taken a little bit of a hit um not the casinos per se but the, the communities they don't feel as much connected anymore so i think that's why this this whole, whole online um, um what we're going for now and the player interaction there's more and more these um you can play together applications coming out uh, for social gaming but still uh, under gambling 
Um, so so it, it, it's, it's that social part as well that's that's very important. Uh, I think that's what many of these casinos now are focusing hard for as well for the online in realm. Especially and I suppose with... It, it's, sorry, sorry, I was Mark. just going to say, it's the experience as well, right? Because ultimately, you know, if you're always used to that experience, what you were talking about, Philip, of, of the high rollers coming in, being treated, all this, that and the other, in effect now, you know, if you are an average player, an average gambler that just wants to go on, you can experience not necessarily that being treated like a prince or whatever, but you can actually experience the the high, you know, the high wins by just being on digital rather than actually go into these places and experience it for real. Yes, that's correct. Um, just adding adding to that as well, as Christian mentioned and yourself just mentioned, with kind of leaderboards that generates that competitiveness across the players. Um, this is going to be a bit of an arcade unplug, so I apologise. But <laughs> we have the staffing promotion at the moment, which is leaderboard, and you can see yep. the players in the leaderboard. And the, you know, it's, the aim is to get to the higher position so you get you know the high reward, and it's just through playing the game. And it doesn't matter if you're a VIP, it doesn't matter if you know a normal player. Whatever you do is equal to the leaderboard. So, you know, a, a smaller player could win or a VIP player could win. So they can be really competitive with each other where in the land-based section, a normal player is not going to be able to compete with someone who's staking, you know, a £1,000 or $1,000 or €1,000 a spin. You know, that's not that's not feasible for a normal player. So, but when it comes to the online perspective, to get into these promotions is fair. You know, they can kind of compete themselves and they can get rewarded for just what they do, which they yeah. might not be able to get in land-based. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. correct. Okay, so again, you know, without uh, without plugging anybody, how tricky is it for you know a European entity company to enter the American market right now? I know the shift we're talking about that it's going from land-based into digital, but how difficult is it still right now? It, it comes down to <clears throat> compliance there as well. Like we, uh, Europe, Europe is a very regulated uh, regulated uh, area as well as we, we speak now. So the US are just slowly started to regulate uh, and figure out state by state what the regulation should say. If they should uh, allow poker, if they should have video slots, sports betting, etc. Which one of the, the verticals they should allow. So I think we will see a lot of, of, of things changing and a lot of things, um, uh, legislation changing. So right now it's a little bit of... of tricky to enter the market. Uh, I think it will be easier. Uh, there's going to be a lot of, of legal um, things involved with every new regulation coming up. Uh, so so it's, to be quite frank, it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one to, 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 to be. Well, for someone like Arcadum, um, we have kind of a, not an easy way in, but we have an established way into the US market. So Brad Gaming have completed the like, bought, bought acquisition of Oryx. And Oryx, we're on our RGS. So we're kind of in partnership with Brad Gaming as well. And Brad Gaming already have the plan to enter the US and Canada as well. So for us, we will be able to go with them into the market, which is fantastic for us because we don't have to worry about the infrastructure, you know, all the legality necessarily. We will make sure our games are compliant. That's what our kind of perspective is. Yeah. But with the backing of someone like Brag and Oryx Gaming, it makes us more reputable and to enter that market a lot more fluid for us. So mm -hmm. we know thank you to those uh, for everyone at oryx and um, brad gaming for you know being in the partnership with us it's fantastic but if you were going in alone um as some providers may opt in to do it gets a lot more tricky because you have to pass kind of all the legality you have to go for interviews and everything so it gets a little bit more trickier as anything does with when it comes to money so you have to be aware of that so it depends which avenue you go okay, okay. definitely all right so 
obviously we talked about them and obviously the partnership and having somebody to sort of give you a leg up but what's the difference between the two markets in your opinions oh so, i think if you, if you yeah if you tackle it from a player's perspective it's so it'd be kind of like the way Europe was uh, 15 years ago, where online was becoming more established because, you know, started in the late 90s and then in the early 2000s with technology, it was, you know, just getting bigger and bigger. And players were still not, you know, used to online. It's going to be quite similar in the US market and Canada because Canada players can play online at the moment um, through DMJ license. But US players, it depends what state you land in. And certain states do not allow online gambling at all as of yet. So it's, you could technically gamble if you did like some dodgy things um, <laughs> online but if you wanted to right. do it legally it is you know it's a bit trickier so i think yeah. players are going to be kind of hesitant at first they'll kind of look and they're kind of thinking oh you know I'm, i've been used to slam based or i'm used to this blah 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 and then eventually they'll see the benefits um in terms of you know the promotion you know they can steer it from the comfort of their own home they don't have to travel necessarily to you know nevada or places like that and i think we're going to see how it started out in europe because it was kind of the same you know, people would go to a land-based casino, would go to a bookies, but now they can go do sports betting online, they can do casino online. And I think as soon as that catches on, it's just going to be like a juggernaut like Europe was. And yeah. you could say the same for markets like Japan now, that's also in the process of getting regulated. Um, so the Japanese players will go from land-based, you know, pachinko halls to yeah. potentially more online as well. So it's not just the North American markets going through it, you've got markets um, in the Pacific as well that are going through that as well. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, there's a there's a big difference, and and US has always had online game gambling, even though it's been illegal in the past, uh, and yeah. we are very welcoming to see it now being legalized and regulated. Because, mm-hmm. as we discussed in our previous podcast, this protects players and totally. etc. and yeah. makes it more fair to the game. But the US market is it's growing um, mm-hmm. compared to the just to compare it to the UK gambling industry, which is worth about uh, the US market is worth about three times at the moment. Um, yeah, UK is worth 15 online. billion last time I checked, but yep. it's a bit tricky with all the new regulations coming in. Exactly. Yes, and COVID and everything. So it's it, it's a very different type of, of regulation. It's it, it's almost like putting all the regulations in Europe together in one yeah. big country. More yeah, or less. just rolling them out. Yeah, because it's, yeah. it's state by state as well. So it's not just like where the UK or you know um, Spain, Germany you know sweden scandinavia all those places have got like one regular regulatory body in america it's state by state state by state so, yeah so one state could do something and the other state could do something else and you have to change for, the, for your content for that market so it's going to be interesting to see um i think it's going to be kind of like the wild west where one person does something and it's like no i'm going to go against it but they could all unite and kind of be uniform so mm. it it depends how it, how they treat it so far it kind of seems the more kind of going along the same lines which is fantastic yeah. for the ones that are regulated um, but you never know, some state might pop up and want to do something different because it happens in Europe, you know, regulatory bodies in Europe don't necessarily agree on certain things. Um, so they do things differently. In Germany, for instance, um, stakes are capped to one euro or right. lower on slots. Whereas, you know, in other markets, you can basically do whatever do whatever you want on yeah. stakes-wise. So we just said we're going to see slight differences, but I don't think we'll see major differences yet. More down the line, I believe. Okay. So slightly different tweak just on terms of the US, in terms of how the land players are potentially then managing the COVID. Is this, you know, them leading the the, the change almost of them going from land-based because all of the restrictions of COVID are now moving to more digital or how is that, how is that working? Um, from what I see, because I'm very sad and I watch all these um, people who go into the casinos and kind of film themselves, you know, playing slots and table games um, in, in Vegas. So they are currently now, it was, it was closed for a while. 
and then mm-hmm. it reopened slowly, slowly, and then normal players started coming in, and VIPs started pretty much staying in Vegas in the hotels. And at the moment, you have to sit there in a mask. There's like shielding between all the different seats on a table game, for instance. And I've played in Malta in uh, one of the local casinos where you have to wear a mask and everything when you're playing. And that can get really annoying after a while. Don't get me wrong, people should be wearing masks. It's, it's you know, we have to, it's, it's, it's the thing we have to do. But it's really difficult to play because sometimes you just kind of like want to have a drink and you forget the mask is on. You're like, oh yeah, I've got this mask on, I've got to move it. Or you just like, because the casino can get really hot, especially when you're surrounded by people on a table, you've got seven people and you're like, wow, I wish I could take his mask off, what the hell? So I feel like that started to drive a bit more the online scene because you can sit at home you don't have to wear your mask. You can be in a comfort at home and it doesn't have to be hot and stuffy and you can just enjoy it at your pace. Yeah. Whereas in a casino environment, it's become a bit more up in the air, right? Because regulations are changing every day depending on what the pandemic does. Because let's face it, we thought we'd be out of this pandemic now. We're in wave three or four or 20 million. Who knows? God knows um, what wave we're in at this stage. I think the waves keep, <laughs> someone's keep waving at us, I swear to God. Yeah, so I feel like for the land-based industry, it's, it's been quite impactive because yeah. Vegas did close down for a while and it was empty. Macau closed down for, I think, it was like a month or two months. And Macau is massive for casino, online-based casino. So you have to look at the impacts worldwide and you see players, you know, if you can't go somewhere for two months, you change your habits, right? If you want to do what you want to do, you just do it, find a way to do it. And then once you become established and comfortable in a new thing, it's very hard to go back to the old way of things. Yeah. So we will have to see after the pandemic how Lambase really recovers because in the UK and Europe, casinos are not really open now at all. Um, I think this whole thing as well have made people look at different verticals. Um, you know, everybody's land-based casinos have been sitting nice for many years. Um, we no one saw this, um, what we're now happening or coming. Uh, so I think we see many sectors trying to diversify to different angles just to make sure that they can survive in any futures as well. So I think it was across the playing field. It's not just for, for gaming. As, um, it's for other industries, e-commerce as well, and, and uh, normal shops. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think this is something we will see more and more that people are trying to have a more online presence than they had have had in the future. Uh, not forgetting about the land-based uh, or, or shops or anything like that, because people still need that social interaction, meeting yeah, people. Yeah. But you know, I think still people have have realized that we cannot bank everything on one, and we need to to, to look at the internet. Of all no, and it, it's funny well. because I think a lot of people, irrespective of what industry you're in, nobody potentially foresaw something of this to have such a global impact. You know, and I think, you know, as both of you rightly said, whatever happens, you are always going to see changes. You know what I mean? You're going to see things being different. You're going to see people gambling differently, shopping different, you know, acting differently. You know, we've all proved around the world that, you know, you can now work from home effectively just as much as before you know what i mean so that drives the change for people and as philip said rather than go to a a casino and sit there hot and stuffy with a mask on you can now do it from the comfort of your own home you know in your pjs with your feet or watching netflix and gambling at the same time i think that is very attractive to a lot of people i think right now to be honest you're also uh, guaranteed as well to have the currency of the pandemic which is toilet paper at home you know, the casino could run out, right? You never know. We've all got loads. Um, We've got loads, mate. The whole shed full. Yeah. Oh, wow. Because uh, apparently that was the currency of the pandemic, right? Toilet paper. So you know. It was right at the very beginning. And bread. Bread and toilet paper. Two yeah, best things you need. 
that's, 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 not, that's still not fun at hilarious too. Um, but no, jokes aside, I, I fully agree with what you said there. It's, um, it's, it's a very strange time, but to be honest, it was always going to happen, this kind of decline in land base, because, you know, we're becoming more technologically advanced and eventually younger people are just going to be like, I'll go to land base for a treat now and then, you know, mm. I'll play poker there or maybe I'll do some high stakes, you know, VIP kind of gambling there as a you know treat once a year. So I feel like anyway, it was going to come to this stage. It was just going to decline gradually. But I think COVID and the pandemic just kind of gave it a big rocket acceleration to, yeah. to get to this stage. Yeah. Okay. So um, any USA focus plans for arcade and games in the future? Any in the well, pipeline? Uh, we are, as, as Philip mentioned before, as we are partnered with Oryx on the RGS. Uh, we are then, Oryx is owned by Bragg Gaming, who is quite um, a player in the, the Canadian and the US markets. Um, so uh, definitely, but I will leave this more to, to Philip because this is more area with the genres and the games. Um, so our vision with the games is, you know, quite simple, quality, story-driven content with good mechanics. And we have some games that do appeal to, you know, certain markets like Immortal Dao World, Hills of Asia and Guardians of Inner that comes in October. Uh, it's kind of the same. But a lot of our content has a broader appeal because certain players, I mean, Starfang, for instance, the latest release, we can see players all over the world playing this game. And mm. people are like, oh, it's just a European facing game. You know, you've got a knight fighting a dragon, blah, blah, blah. But that's not how players think. You know, people watch content worldwide now. You're not just in your own little country bubble. Yeah, true. So it's, it, I think it's very stupid from, from a business perspective for us as a team. And it'll also kill our creativity to make a game for a certain market. Yeah. Because you're stagnating your own growth for a start. And you're killing yeah. the team's creativity because why not make something that appeals to you know people in general? Movies are the same thing. Um, it may don't get me wrong, it may not appeal to a you know, certain segment of people, but at the end of the day, what works in Europe will probably work in the US because we're quite similar in thinking. And a game that works in Japan will probably work in America as well because they've got quite close links um, through the decades. So yeah. you can't pigeonhole yourself to a certain kind of ideal market. Don't get me wrong, we will be targeting the US. Yes. But we will not say that and be like, right, US market, I'm going to make a game that's got eagles and everything down to it because A, you'll offend the player. Eagle because, American footballs. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so you'll, you'll offend the player, right? Because yeah, the player doesn't want to see that kind of content in front of him. It's kind of like, no. are you trying to appeal to me? Are you appeal on my stereotypes? People yeah. are going to make games like that. I guarantee you we will see games like that. And for me, yeah. that's just a very dumb strategy. But, you know, each to their own. Again, it goes, goes back to the creativity. Sorry, Christian, to cut across here. It goes back to the gonna... creativity that we talked about. Do you know what I mean? And we have mm. been talking about for so long. Irrespective of whichever market you're going for, if you produce a really solid, creative game, it doesn't matter what market it's going to be played in. People are going to enjoy it because the players want to enjoy it. So, you know what I mean? So, sorry, Christian, go on, man. You go ahead. No, no I just got to follow up, Philip, here. We, we live in a multicultural world now where, where, where borders are being crossed and people are from, you know, so, so it's not... You can't say you're making a game for a certain market, yeah. as Philip mentioned. I think this whole multicultural society we're living in, players uh, from Sweden can love a game that uh, someone has made just for Japan, for example. Yep. No, so, and you have to think about it as well. We had, um, like for instance, the game that comes out this month. So we've said in this game, you know, Merlin, she's a wizard. Because if, let's face it, we're in a very gender neutral society at the moment. Um, if you look at popular anime like Seven Deadly Sins, there's a female Merlin in that in the anime, and she's classed there as a wizard. Indeed. Yeah. Um, yep. So for me, you can't you can't think of the normal structure anymore because 
you know, roles change and who says a wizard has to be, you know, male or female or a knight has to be a, a male or female. Because if you look at popular films as well, a knight can be female and we have strong male and female characters in our games. And mm. I feel like that's a great benefit for us in any market because we show, look, you know, we're here, we have this great strong male lead in this in this game and then we have this great female lead, but we don't over-sexualize either gender as well, which yeah. I see a lot in some games. Um, when you have a female character, it's like the stand, it's like, a, it's like video games in the late night is in the early 2000s where yeah. it's like a the female outfits. character she has to have the skimpy outfit and everyone we're like uh, we've, we've progressed since then because um, yeah. I think Tomb Raider was the best one as a kid in the it 90s was. Um, it's such a good game but it's like Lara Croft I'd, it's funny when you think Lara Croft is a sex symbol in the 90s when you kind of look at the graphics then but that was like cutting edge and now you're looking you're like that's just a block. <laughs> and if you think um, as well, she as a character has now been brought back into into Fortnite, so she's the most recent skin in the yeah. in the most recent Fortnite game. But, so and she got just, rebooted as well into yeah, like some really did. cool games. Yeah, she got she got very cool. But just one thing I'm going to say just before we just before we call this right. So I know we talked about not stereotyping, and we're not specifically focusing on that. But is there any mm-hmm. any themes that we've seen so far from the sort of early adopters out in the USA that? You know themes of games or anything that actually does resonate you know with, with the gaming industry over there for now i think it's more the titles that are doing well in europe will do well in the usa as we can yeah. see and table games especially because you know it's very focused on land base which we you know we got panda pole coming out which i'm really excited for um but with the players you can't stereotype them for that as well because we don't really know the market yet because we know it from a land-based perspective but you know we got a lot of forget land-based forget that you can have younger players who have never gambled before in the us because it's so you know it's easier to gamble online right we all know that you know it's easy to do it from the comfort of your own home so we're going to see younger players coming in and we don't know what the younger players in the us market are generally going to do we can kind of gauge it from europe because we can see but if it goes the same as that they're going to like all the you know nice quality driven content the graphics the artwork the sound everything they're just going to love that kind of content so it's difficult to see but i think we'll have to see a year in the us properly to kind of gauge that i think as well they need to have a bigger selection of game providers available to them before yeah. we can make uh, this uh, i know one of the bigger providers um uh, net and they were one of the first to enter the us market many years ago so when you yes. put your footprint there it's easier than to, to distribute the games out. So I think we yeah. need to wait, as Philip said, a year or I'd year just or like so. to comment on st- stereotyping, though. Uh, Christian mentioned NetEnt. So they came out with a game recently, um, Hell's Kitchen, which is right. you know, a very branded game. However, Hell's Kitchen really only applies to the US and maybe some European markets that are aware of you know, Hell's Kitchen. So if you look at you know Latin America and Japan, they're sat there going, what the fuck's Hell's Kitchen? Yeah. So, and it incurs a big cost in a branded game. So NetEnt is a massive company, don't get me wrong. So they can kind of afford that, you know, brand recognition, et cetera, et cetera. But for an, uh, an everyday provider, you wouldn't want to take that risk because it can backfire on you yeah. massively. Because yeah. in other markets, who, who knows Hell's Kitchen? Like in anywhere outside of the US, North America and uh, Europe, maybe some like Australia things like that, but nothing in like the mainstream markets of Asia and, you know, Central Europe and Eastern Europe and things like that. You have to, you have to always have to take the mentality of everywhere, not just focus. And from what I've seen from the game, it is in casino lobbies, but I can't see the game anywhere online from streamers. I've seen some streamers play it, but I've not seen a lot of the streamers play it at all because it just doesn't interest them because it, the mechanics for the game are quite solid, but it's the theme. It's kind of like, I like Hell's Kitchen, but I won't play the game because I'm like, 
a cooking game, it doesn't really make sense for me. Like, so it's you can't pigeonhole yourself that much, I believe. Mm. But I could be wrong. Game could be smashing it for all I know because I don't know their figures, right? But for me, it's that's a very risky strategy. And that comes back to us just making sure we make absolutely solid games for our gamers to enjoy, you know, yep. irrespective of of where they are in the world and what they're doing. That's correct. Yep. Okay. Cool. Listen, gentlemen, as always, a true pleasure. Thanks very much for uh, taking the time. Enjoy the rest of your day, and uh, you we'll catch up with you soon, boys. All right. Thank you very much. Same to you. Take care. Thanks, Have guys. Bye bye. Take care. Bye bye.